Good morning. It's good to see everyone. Welcome. We're in a series about I Choose, and we'll get a slide up there. This is week three. We talked about purpose versus popularity in week one. Either you can choose purpose or popularity. We, <clears throat> last week, we talked about surrender and control, and today's topic is discipline over regret. These are choices we need to intentionally make, and if you're a Jesus follower, prayerfully make. So we're going to talk about a real uh, interesting topic today, fun topic, the topic of pain. Pain. We all experience pain. Some of that pain is uh, not your fault. It's unavoidable. Um, I think she's, Roy's in here. Anna Jones sprained her ankle this week. She's in a lot of pain. It wasn't her fault. I mean, technically, she had an accident. Uh, on a step. So we have pain. You could lose your job sometimes because a company downsizes or goes out of business. That wasn't your fault. You're still experiencing pain. So there's pain that you can't control. You don't have uh, control of. But that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. We want to talk about the pain you do have control over. So here is on your outline. You have a choice of what type of pain, one type of pain or another. Now, let me give you some examples. For example, if you're uh, living with your parents and underage, you have a choice all day long whether to obey your parents or disobey them. All right, there's pain. It's painful sometimes to obey your parents, but then it's painful to be disciplined by your parents. Financially, there's pain in overspending and being in debt and maybe losing your house or having to go file bankruptcy, there's pain in that, but there's also pain in not spending more than you make, sacrificing those things you can't afford. Uh, if you're in school, it's pain to study. There's pain if you flunk the class, have to take it again. So there's all kinds of examples of choosing your pain. Um, <clears throat> so with our topic this morning, is, uh, we put it this way. I am choosing the pain of, hopefully, discipline over the pain of Regret. I'm choosing to obey my parents over regretting the fact that I got disciplined, got grounded. Uh, I'm choosing the pain of not spending more than I make so that I do have a house that I own and live in. Um, so I am uh, encouraging you to say I am choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. Most of the time, the problem is not with knowledge. We know. We know what we should do. We know we shouldn't overspend. We know we shouldn't overeat. We know we shouldn't disobey our parents. We know, we know, we know. The question is the decision we make and which pain are we choosing. Uh, came across a wonderful def definition of discipline because discipline is involved here. And uh, often we look at discipline as a negative thing. I think this definition helps you think of it as a positive way. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. What you want now and what you want most. We're going to look at several things that Paul wrote. And Paul's a fascinating guy because he was passionate against Christianity, against the church when it started. Had people arrested and so forth. He had this amazing encounter with God. Uh, his life was changed. And then he became as passionate, if not more passionate, about starting the church. So he started lots of churches. So we're going to read something where Paul struggled with decision-making, 
And it's going to sound very familiar, going to sound personal, it's going to sound like what you and I struggle with because it's hard often to do what's right, isn't it? So this is in Romans chapter 7. We're not going to read the whole passage, it's about 10 verses long, but we'll read a couple of, a couple of the verses. It says, Paul is saying, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. So I know, I know this is right, but I don't do it. It says, instead I do what I hate, which is really interesting, because he's not just talking about choosing one good thing over another. We actually do things that we aren't attractive, that we know we shouldn't do, and we still do it. Now we talk about willpower, I always call it will weakness, because it isn't much power at all. We can force ourselves to do stuff for a while, but almost always, eventually we give up or quit. And most of us would believe that there's a, a, an evil force, an evil power, evil creature, uh, Satan, whatever term you want to give it. And he is crafty. We talked about the heart being deceitful and Satan is deceitful. He's crafty. And so some of these decisions are tricky. We are deceived. But we also know if you're a Jesus follower. Now, if you're not, we're delighted that you're here. These principles, some of these principles will really help, be helpful to you also. But as a believer, we have a power source. Uh, the word for the Holy Spirit is the same word used for power. And so we have a power source. And that's going to be important as Paul describes this struggle he has with making decisions. So he says, I know, next verse, I know that nothing good lives in me. All right, on my own, I'm just going to be a mess up. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right. Not only do I not do it, he's saying I can't do it. I don't have the power to do it. I don't have the ability to do it. And we're good at making excuses. The old devil made me do it or whatever it might be. And he's saying, it sounds like he's making excuses. Not really. So then, then he says this. I want to do what is good. Now sometimes we do. Actually want to make the right choice. But I don't. So I don't follow through on my want to. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Sound like you? Does it sound like me? It sounds like all of us, doesn't it? At times. And so if you read the whole passage, it's like I said, it's like 10 verses. We get to the end and here's what he says. He's talking about this struggle. Says, this makes me miserable. I'm a miserable person. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Wrong choices, bad choices, whatever. Now, when you get this far, it sounds hopeless, doesn't it? I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. And over and over again, I'm miserable. Uh, it seems hopeless. And he, he's, but that's not his approach here. He's actually crying out for help. Is there any help? Now, when we look at this passage, we often look at it and say, well, if Paul couldn't do it, I can't do it, so I'm, you know, I'm excused. But that is not the teaching of this passage. You've left the, you leave the next verse out. So after he got to that place where he realizes he's powerless and he's miserable, is there any help? Yes. <laughs> Thank God. There is an answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So I don't have the ability to do it, but... In Jesus, I do. See, that's what he's trying to get across to us. Not that, oh, you have an excuse. No, 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 we don't have an excuse. We have an answer. We have a solution. So if, even if I don't have, if I can't, I don't really have to because I can't, but Jesus can. 
So here we're back to our topic then. He's saying, I choose discipline over regret. I choose to tap into the power source of God over failing and failing and failing myself. No excuse. In fact, he says, I'm set free. We have freedom from that miserable attitude of frustration of not being able to do what I want and doing what I don't want to do. In another place, Paul uses this illustration to kind of demonstrate this. That's why I'm wearing a shirt this morning. It's a running illustration. And I can relate because I, I, I run. And uh, so if you don't run, you may be involved in some other exercises, whatever it might be, you'll, you can understand the illustration, I believe. He says, isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win? You don't just go out there for a jog. <laughs> you don't enter the race to go for a jog. You don't enter the race to, to, to run half the race. I don't think I've ever not finished a race that I've been in. Uh, sometimes you get injured and can't finish. But he said, if you enter the race, you enter the race to do the best you can and win. I've never won a race, uh, but uh, that's another case. I've races with thousands of people are hard to win. Uh, but then he says, but only one receives the victor's prize. There's only one winner <laughs> out of thousands. There's one winner. And it can be categories, male, female, age, whatever. But technically, there's one person that comes in first, one winner. And <clears throat> so everybody must run the race to be victorious. We say it this way. The old football coach said this. You play the game to what? To win. You run the race to win. <laughs> All right, so... Those of us that are Jesus followers, we run this race of faith in Jesus to win. And so we have spiritual, we call them spiritual disciplines. To run a race, you have to discipline yourself. You have to train and practice and, and uh, you know, have a better diet and other things if you want to do well. The spiritual disciplines, we have prayer and Bible study. We have worship. Uh, we have uh, ministry, get involved in ministry. We got uh, uh, community group. Uh, all these things are for our benefit or our progress in this race of the, of the, of the spiritual life. So then he, in the next verse, he says this. So a true athlete, somebody serious about this that wants to do well, will be disciplined. And not just once in a while, but in every aspect, practicing constant self-control in order to win. Now, all this practice, all this discipline is for the purpose to win. And in those days, 2,000 years ago, often what you won winning a race was a laurel wreath that quickly withers and eventually, you know, it's not there anymore. So, I don't know about you, but... Uh, when I hear these testimonies these, of these Olympic athletes, especially like teenagers, and they talk about, I get up early, go to bed early, I go to school, and then I practice the rest of the time. I don't go to parties. I have no social life. Uh, you know, I, I eat really strict, uh, have a strict diet. It's just amazing me. I was a teenager once. That's not what I would have chosen as a teenager. But they do that. They're disciplined all in every aspect. If you want to become an Olympic athlete, that's what you have to do. Uh, they choose what they want most over what they choose now. So they don't go to parties. They don't eat pizza every day. They discipline themselves. Now, it would be pretty cool to have a gold medal. 
my wife kind of laughs about this. I've ran 13 of these JFK 50-mile races, 13 of them in a row. And you pay a couple hundred dollars, and when you get finished, this is what you have. This shirt, this is the last one I ran, and one of these medals. So I got 13 shirts and 13 medals. Are they worth anything? Not to anybody else. Not worth anything. I got thinking about when I die, what are going to happen to these things? My kids are going to throw them away. I, I don't want them. <laughs> so I've done all that practicing. I've ran those races for something that's not of any value. But here's the amazing thing. Those of us in the race of the Christian life, whole different scenario. We run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. Eternal rewards. How amazing is that? Now the word discipline, the same root word, do we get the word disciple? What's the word disciple mean? It means a follower. You can be a disciple of lots of different things. We are Jesus followers, are Jesus disciples. Now, why do we struggle with this so much? One of the big reasons is this. When you practice discipline without a goal or purpose, it feels like punishment, self-punishment. So if I'm, you know, limiting what I eat and, and I'm out running and running, but I have no goal to run anything or improve my health or, or something, it's like torture, isn't it? And that's why so often in, in those physical things we give up. And that's why so often we don't, we give up in this, this race of the spiritual life. Because we don't understand that there's a bigger purpose or a bigger goal which should motivate us. Another writer, writer of Hebrews, uses the same analogy of running. So I thought that was interesting. So I thought I'd put that on the outline also. Chapter 12 of Hebrews is after chapters 11 that we talked about the last two weeks. That Moses is in there and Abraham's in there and lots of these folks we read about in the Old Testament. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 writes about all these people that ran the race, the, the spiritual race, successfully. We're still talking about them thousands of years later. And they all made mistakes. That wasn't the issue. But they lived by faith and they're listed here. And then others, you know, just kind of, and others too many to name. So there's been... You know, you can read bi uh, Christian biographies and, and see some, uh, some of these folks. So lots of people have done this. They've disciplined themselves. They run the race and they've won. So that should be an encouragement to us. And so then he goes on. A huge crowd of witnesses, the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now when I run a race, I wear as little clothing as possible. If it's cold, I have to have enough to keep me warm. But I'm not going to carry extra stuff. It's going to slow me down. He says the same thing in, in a spiritual life. And especially sin that so easily trips us up. This is going to slow us down. This is going to uh, impede our, our, our progress. So he says, let us run the race with, run with endurance the race God has set before us. So this involves a, a sacrifice. Another word we don't like too much. We've got to sacrifice one thing for another. We've got to make a choice between what I want now and what I want most. So then, then he says it this way. Talks about the answer. He talks about the solution. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So what's the answer? Who's the answer, I should say? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So, for example, when you come to church on Sunday morning, do you come with expectation 
I mean, I do. Because uh, I get to get up here and talk. But I come with eager expectation that God's going to use what I say to help you folks. To help myself. And hopefully you come with expectation. It really frustrates me when somebody said, I didn't get anything out of the service. <laughs> well, what was your purpose? If you came with expectation, you would receive something. Do you have a purpose in reading your Bible and praying and all these other things? Well, I want to fill in a blank this morning. Actually, two blanks. This is really important if you're serious about what we're talking about. So here's the first blank. What do you want most? Seriously, what do you want most? And there's no right or wrong answer here. What do you want most? And don't say, you know, be a rock star, because most of you aren't going to be a rock star, okay, a movie star, and most of you aren't going to be multimillionaires. So something that you want that you can actually achieve. And you probably want a lot of things, so no, 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 no. We're going to boil this down to the thing you want most, not lots of things. So got your thing, write it down. Second fill in, what do you need to choose now to receive what you want most? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? We'll use some of the illustrations we talked about earlier. For example, you want to get in shape. You want to lose some weight, get in shape, take better care of yourself. Well, you might want to join a gym. If you're really serious, you might want to get a personal trainer. Uh, of course, you've got to go to the gym, right? All of us need to change our diet, probably. Uh, if not what we eat, the amount we eat, right? Uh, exercise. Uh, like all these things, much better in a group. So, you know, get in a running group. You want to run or somebody at the gym. These are the things that you need to do now if you want to achieve what most matters to you most is, is good health. This is not rocket science, right? These are things I need to do now if I want to have good health. Financially, uh, you're in debt. Shouldn't be in debt. All right, so I need to stop spending more than I make. I need to discipline myself. I need to get on a budget, uh, get financial counseling. We teach a class called Financial Peace. Uh, Angela and Scott teach that. Angela was just telling me. She's 32 She's debt-free, semi-retired, and self-employed. Pretty awesome, huh? Did that just happen accidentally? No. And most of us aren't there or haven't been there. It was a choice they made years ago (laughs) to achieve what they wanted most. Now, most important thing to us is relationships, of course. So if you're married, you might have put my marriage relationship. It's the most important thing to you. Okay, if that's the most important thing to you, what are you going to do? You're going to read books. You're going to read, I gave you a website uh, and and a newsletter check out last week about marriage. If you've got problems, you go to a counselor or find a a, a mentoring uh, couples group, uh, be in a couples group or a mentoring couple. Uh, Again, not rocket science. What are you going to need to do now to achieve what you want most? Maybe you've got some kind of addiction. Maybe it's a physical addiction. Maybe it's more of a, like pornography, a mental addiction, whatever it might be. If that's what you want to do, what do you have to do now to achieve what you want most? Again, you go counseling and a program. Uh, there's lots of things you can do uh, if you have those addictions. For some of us, hopefully a lot of us, what for me is most important is my relationship with God, intimacy with God. 
close relationship with God. Because when I have that, it affects all these other areas for me. And so what do you do? <laughs> well, you do pray, and you do read your Bible, and you do come to church on a regular basis. You know, a regular attender is considered now 15 times a year. Now, if you want intimacy with God, you're not going to come to church only 15 times a year. I'm sorry, you're not really serious about wanting that most. Huge part is being involved in some kind of ministry, like Marcus Backpack or whatever it might be, serving the cafe, working with children, something, singing, whatever. If you want to get, to get connected with God, and probably the biggest thing is a community group. The way church is described in the Bible is most like what we call community groups. It's not like what we do on Sunday morning. It's where you do life together with some other folks. Where you love on them, they love on you. You support them, they support you. You're accountable to them, they're accountable to you. That's why we talk about community groups all the time. And next week we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up. Well, you say, that's hard. It's hard coming to church every Sunday. It's hard waking up and reading my Bible. It's hard. Well, it's hard to be evicted from your house. It's hard to go to the doctor and say, what have you been doing with your body? You're ruining your body. These are, you can't replace these things, folks. <laughs> you can get another house. You can't get another body. So, yeah, it's hard. Both choices are hard. Pain is involved. Are you going to choose the pain now or the pain for what you want most? And I love the way Paul puts it here. Uh, back when he gives an analogy of running. He says, I run with purpose in every step. Now, we'll get serious about some of this stuff part, some of the time. No, no, no. He says, no, 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 no. This is every step, every moment, every day. I am serious about this. I've got purpose. What I want most, whatever that is for you, then I'm going to do these things to get what I want most. Not some of the time, not once in a while, all the time, every step. And then here's this illustration. This is not like fake boxing. This is like real boxing. There's no pain in fake boxing, is there? There's pain in real boxing. It's pain. There's discipline. And he uses the word discipline again in the next verse. So I discipline my body like an athlete. I train it to do what it should. Now, some of you know me pretty well. And probably most of you would consider me a pretty disciplined person. And I used to consider this a, a, a compliment. And they say, well, you're a disciplined person. I'm just, and actually, I, I come to realize that's an insult. I'm not any more disciplined than you are. Well, I am, maybe. But it's not any easier for me to be disciplined than it is for you to be disciplined. It's not easy, any easier for me to get up early in the morning. It's not easy, it's any easier for me to run. It might be, you know, depending on your exercise. I enjoy running. Some people don't. So, your choice, my choice, the discipline. Financially, relationally, spiritually, financially, uh, physically. Because the bottom line for all of us is this. I will never not need Jesus. In my spiritual life, my, my relationship life, my financial life, my physical life, I'm never not going to need Jesus. I'm as weak as anybody else. Came across this wonderful illustration, not original with me. It actually comes from a Christian psychologist. And I thought this was, and I, I've been, ever since I've heard this, I, I just can't get it out of mind. It's just easy to, way to understand this. 
And so, uh, imagine the answer to your question, what I want most is a beautiful lawn. Now, to me, that's crazy, but there's probably somebody out there that might put that as an answer. So, what I want most is a beautiful lawn. So, when I walk out my door in the morning, my car's over here, but there's no sidewalk between the front door and the car. I have to walk down the sidewalk and across and then up the driveway to get to my car. All right, just follow the illustration. What I want most is a beautiful lawn. So I have this beautiful lawn. So one day I get up and I think, uh, I'm in a hurry. I'll just run straight to the car. And when you get home that day, guess what? Do you still have a beautiful lawn? Yeah, still have a beautiful lawn. So a few days go by and you think, yeah, that was a lot easier. I'll just walk across the lawn again. Walk across the lawn, come home that night, still got a beautiful lawn? Yeah. So before you know it, what are you doing every day? You're walking across the lawn. And then after a few weeks, what happens? You don't have a beautiful lawn anymore. You got a dirt path from your front door to that car. And the other weird thing about it is it, it, if it's strange, like it's kind of fun to be a little naughty, Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? And, and so that, that reinforces that. And then eventually, we have a new habit. In this case, a new bad habit that doesn't give us what we want most, but gives us what we want now. So, am I going to choose what I want most, in this case, a beautiful lawn, over what I want now? Easier path to my car. The way Paul would put it is this. Am I choosing purpose in every step? And I love the illustration because there's, there's the steps involved, right? So my purpose, the beautiful lawn, there's going to be more steps. But it's longer, but it's harder. Most of you know that my wife and I are, uh, made a choice to be vegan. That's our, our diet choice. We did the research, and that's what we decided was healthiest for us. You do your research, you decide. The point is, we did the research. So you need to do the research. Again, you only get one of these bodies. Take good care of it, right? So you do the research. You make the decision. All right. And people say, well, isn't that hard not to eat meat? Well, yes and no, but not when I take it one step at a time. I got up this morning. Wasn't a big deal not to eat meat for breakfast. When I get to lunch this afternoon, it won't be a big deal. There will actually be meat served. We're having a party this afternoon with people to eat meat. My wife made meat today. It's not hard to not eat meat this afternoon for lunch. Purpose in every step. What I want now, I mean most, over what I want now. And here's, here's the reality. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. That's what that Romans chapter 7 thing was about. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. So I don't have to give in. Let me give you another illustration. This is from my personal illustration of my life. My wife didn't hear, it, hear this one until I told her this morning. I've been in Lowe's a lot lately, doing some remodeling work with some folks. And, and if you've ever been to Lowe's, you know basically what people look like in Lowe's, right? The way they dress. Let me just put it the way they dress. So I'm walking into Lowe's, and about the same time I get to the door, there's this middle, attractive, middle-aged lady actually in heels. You just don't see that every day at Lowe's. You just don't. So I said, oh, that's interesting. 
So I go in, I'm shopping, and I needed one piece of trim, eight-foot piece of trim. So I get back by the trim, and guess who's looking at trim? This lady in heels. Oh, that's a little strange, a little odd. So I got my trim, and, and I'm beginning to think, okay. Now, I, you have to realize, I was a guy before I was a pastor, right? And so I notice women. And so um, I'm checking out. I'm checking out, and... Uh, I'm walking, guess who meets me in the door going out? And she hadn't bought a thing. I'm thinking maybe she's following me. I don't know. <laughs> but this illustration to me, at that point I'm thinking, Satan, really? I mean, you're going to be this obvious. And, and I was able in this case, not always, but in this case, to resist the temptation of lust after this woman. So here, no No shortcuts. Purpose in every step. I have to watch what I see and how I react to that every day. So back to your fill in the blank. What do you want most? Again, no right or wrong answers. What do you want most? But here is the important thing. If you do not do something now about what you want most, that will likely come your greatest regret. When you lose that house, or you lose that marriage, or you lose your health, or you lose your kids, or you lose that relationship, uh, intimacy with God. And the reality is we all have a choice. That's why we're talking about it. We all have a choice. You're going to walk on the grass, or you're going to walk around the grass. With God's help, I choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. A couple action steps here for you this week, involved with that. If you haven't figured it out yet, figure out what you want most. Seriously, figure it out and then invite God's guidance into your answer. Okay, what am I supposed to do about this? And that's the second part, question. What would you need to do differently now to achieve the thing you want the most? And folks, life is better together. If you chose like I did, the most thing you want is intimacy with God. If you don't join a life group, you just short-circuited your progress. Let me just say it as bluntly as I can say it. If you want intimacy with God, the choice you need to make, all of us need to make, I'm actually in two groups, but anyway, is to be in a community group. You probably all had a bad experience in a group. If you eat a bad meal, you stop eating? No. You just find a good meal. One last thing. What part of your life is frustrating you right now? And that might help you answer that question about what you want most. Let me pray with you. I have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you. I, I just love this topic. I could talk about it more, but hopefully we all heard what we needed to hear this morning. In reality, we, we know. The question is, are we going to do it? And so we've made it as clear as possible, and hopefully uh, this won't be left in this room. Each and every one of us will figure this out. What do I want most? And do I want that or do I want what I want now? Uh, when we objective, it's objective. When we're being objective, it's, God, it's kind of easy to figure out. But will we follow through? And again, it, it can be, seem frustrating or difficult. But the reality is Christ in me is greater than any difficulty I might have. God, I thank you for these encouraging words. I thank you for all the folks here. As always, we want to pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. This is the most important thing, decision in life.
Because we go from powerless to being empowered to live the life that we want. God, so I pray for all, all the folks here that aren't Jesus followers, that the day would be the day they'd step across that line. And we're going to be talking about in a few weeks, you don't have to change anything. You make the decision first, then the changes will come. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.